Welcome to Dark Mode, the podcast that brings you sage technology advice from two technology experts. And that's not just what we call ourselves. It's what our moms tell people when the scrolling is natural, as it should be. I'm your host, Luke Miani. And I'm your host, Noah Rubin. On this show, we take questions from listeners, attempt to answer them to varying degrees of success, and maybe even have a laugh or two along the way. Oh, dear Wall Lord. panel one and two didn't even make it through the intro, ladies and we were gentlemen. so close, so close. We almost made it through the first, what is it, 40 seconds. Wow. Yeah. New I mean, personal to be record. Fair, to be fair, there were they were up there for the 10 minutes of the pre-show. So you got to give them some, that was 10 minutes and, and 45 seconds. You got to give them some credit there. Uh, 10 minutes and 30 seconds, if we're being generous. All right, I'll I'll allow that. Okay. Now, speaking of allowing, I feel like we should just fill in our audio listeners that Noah is now, as promised last week, I can't remember if that was during the pre-show or not, um, but Noah has now pledged to use natural scrolling the correct way. No. For 48 hours. That's right. I just, uh, we were talking about it in the pre-show, and I turned it on on my personal laptop. I will turn it on my work laptop tomorrow when I get to work, mm. and I will give it 48 hours, and I will I will give it a chance. And my, my feeling is that I will go back to the non-natural scrolling, and I will be even more justified and vindicated in my mm. opinions, but maybe I'll change my mind. We'll see. I mean, here's the thing, though. It's You're talking about this as though it's subjective. Like, you know, which color iPhone do you prefer? That's subjective. Sure. But this is actually a matter of, of true or false. Okay? I agree. There is a correct answer. I agree. And the correct answer is natural scrolling. It's in the name, Noah. I They disagree. call it natural. But it's not because you realize, you remember that natural scrolling was not the default until i forget what operating system it was it might have been leopard or snow leopard or like mavericks or something but that was 10 years ago ago. not 10 i mean that's true time does fly but originally that was not the default scrolling which means that as much as they may call it natural scrolling hmm. it was not there it was not there in the beginning so are you going to claim then that only things that were original and in there from the very beginning are correct are you gonna do you believe that you need to own property to vote i i think i think that some that there Mm. are some policies or oh interesting that that do need to change they need to be updated with the times right there are some Thing. Like the like the adhesive on the wall panel that needs to be updated with the times because it's not doing absolutely at all. But there are some things that were just right, you know, when when they were when they were created. And uh, so you're and so what you're saying is that uh, modern medicine is a sin because that wasn't there from the start. You're essentially exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what you're saying. Verbatim. Like, yes, I'm not hearing any difference here. 
what, what natural scrolling being the default tells us is that Apple realized that they were wrong. They mm. had for years been forcing this terrible scrolling direction upon us. And they fixed that problem. And you, a fundamentalist, a radical fundamentalist, I might add, wow, are unwilling to move forward with the times. Well, let me say this. You might think that Apple is correcting a mistake or they're, mm. they're introducing a pure improvement. I would say that it's more part of the shift uh, that Apple has had of uh, not so much merging, but, but I guess converging macOS and the mobile operating systems, right? Gotcha, if you yes. look at the old, you know, 10 years ago, older operating systems, and you look at what we have now, they've merged together in many ways, most of which are the Frankenstein's monster of iPad apps running on a Mac, which is completely unnatural. All mm. of this stuff, all of this stuff, things have merged together, you know, multi-platform apps and, and all of that stuff. And I think that the scrolling was sort of a casualty of that, movement that apple you know apple thinks that their customers apple you know they always say that they they do what the customer needs not what the you know the customer doesn't even know if they need it the customer doesn't know anything right that's what apple says the customer doesn't know anything and so when mm -hmm. they have all of these devices and apple thinks that people aren't smart enough to scroll differently on different devices with different input methods they make everything the same because they're just you know they think that their customers can't handle it and in some cases See, they're what right. you're trying to do here is insult people that disagree with you, but in doing so, you've admitted the error of your ways. How's you just that? said, you just said that that Apple doesn't think people are smart enough to scroll differently on different devices. That's just the point. Why would you scroll differently on different devices? That's dumb. Because they're di because they're different. You wouldn't do the same. I'm trying to think of like an analogy, but like you're not going to put like uh, detergent in your dryer. You're going to put it in the washing machine. They're not, they're like different. You put clothes into both of them, but they do different things. That's a bad analogy, but like they're different. That is a bad analogy. They're different things. Like they're different input methods, right? Like, like, do you, like, you don't touch your Mac screen because it's not a touch screen. You use a trackpad. It's a different input method there's different idioms there's different standards and it's just different hmm i think you're i think you're a fool i know you think that yes but it because, takes one to know one because what you're essentially saying here is uh you know if i if i get in one car and i have a indicator on a stock but i get into a, a bus and all of a sudden, I have to, like, bonk myself on the nose three times, flap like a chicken, and then do a little spin. You know, we got to have different inputs because it's different things. No, a steering wheel is a steering wheel. Unless you're Tesla and you put a square in it. But we all agree that the square isn't right. Because why would you change it if it doesn't make sense? I think that there's a difference between changing the direction of your scrolling and whatever convoluted bonking yourself in the head and doing the chicken dance thing. It's not, it's not that radical of a difference. It's the same idea, right? It's the same idea. Like, let me, let me ask you this. When you, when you scroll on your, on a Mac, whether it's a trackpad, mm -hmm. well, maybe not the mouse, but if you use a trackpad on a Mac, how many fingers do you scroll with? Two. And when you scroll on your iPhone, how many fingers do you scroll with? 
One. That's different. Do okay. you have a problem with that? But, so, but why do you need to further complicate it? Because, okay, the scrolling being two fingers is the way to tell your computer that you're scrolling because the single finger is doing a cursor action. So yeah. if you're adding two fingers to scroll, that's fine. That makes sense. But why, if you're going to add the second finger, why are you suddenly going to switch directions too? That doesn't make any sense. They're just you're just gonna randomly be like, oh hey, guess what? It's opposites day. You're gonna go the other way now. You're gonna no. you're gonna pretend that you're using the trackball on a 1987 mouse because you're stuck in the past. No, no, no. You're like, oh, I'm using a touch screen, so I'm gonna use one finger and I'm gonna scroll. You know, I'm gonna do whatever whatever you want to call this scrolling. You can call it natural scrolling if you want. You do that. Okay. And you say, oh, I'm using a trackpad now. Oh, when I use a trackpad, that means I use two fingers and it goes in the opposite direction and it makes sense because I'm not touching the screen. But why does it have to screen. go in the opposite direction? That doesn't make sense. sense. It makes no, more sense. No, it doesn't. Sense. You're just saying, you're just saying, oh, now I'm using something else, so I have to flip it and go the opposite way. Why would you do that? You don't why have would, to. Like, why but it makes sense. Imagine you're driving around. You're driving around and you get onto a highway and you go, oh, I'm on a highway now. That means I have to drive in reverse. That's dumb. It, there's no purpose to that. Why would you just like randomly switch directions? But it's Everything not that you're random. saying makes your argument make less sense. It's not. Like, oh, well, I'm adding a second figure, so I might as well do the complete opposite motion. No. My whole argument, I know we're just talking across each other, but my whole <laughs> argument is is... When you are doing the scrolling, are you touching the thing that is scrolling or are you not touching it and your your movement is completely separate from the thing that's scrolling? That is my entire argument. Everything else is ancillary. Everything else is is uh, is separate and you know we can go back and forth and have fun with that. But the core of my argument is are you touching the thing that you're scrolling or not? That's it. The answer to your question is no, comma, comma. You are, you are touching it by proxy. An input device translates your emotions to a logical outcome. In the case of a touchscreen, it's quite simple. Your finger acts as a cursor and you just drag stuff around. When you're using a magic mouse or a trackpad, especially a trackpad. The trackpad is a proxy of the things on the screen. Would you would you claim that the trackpad is completely disconnected from your mouse even though it traces that motion? No. So, you can't make the argument that the trackpad is somehow completely separate and different when it is also directly connected to the position of the mouse. I understand where you're coming from. I also mm -hmm. want to say I think it's interesting that the chat also seems to be very divided. Some people are agreeing with me. Some people are disagreeing with me. Uh, so it's not it's not as, as much as you'd like to make it cut and dry. It's not. I, I will concede if some people want to use natural scrolling, you know, that's not my business. You can you can do whatever you want on your own property. But and there my mom, my mom agrees with me. So, you know, and that's not just because she's my mom. And and so some people agree and some people disagree. Okay, well, your mom also isn't 100% sure which that's, that's way fine. you're talking about. No, so I don't know why matter. you're bringing attention to that. Okay, but she, but let, she, me, let, me, let me give your mother some more information, okay? So natural scrolling 
is when you're if this is your trackpad and you want to scroll down a web page, you move your fingers like this. Unnatural scrolling no. is when you want to go down your web page, you move your fingers in the opposite direction like this, the wrong direction. So we'll see. Maybe that information will reveal to your mom that you have, in fact, been a fool, a charlatan, I would even say. Um, and I do want to submit for the record, you mentioned that Apple changed the scrolling direction just only 10 years ago, as you put it. Right? Yeah. I, I question to you because I'm we're both talking here about trackpads predominantly because a mouse is a little different. It's not the same type of input. A trackpad makes more sense. So I submit to you, Noah, when were you even capable of scrolling with two fingers on a trackpad? When did I like like when, when did I use a Mac when, before that? No, when was that feature implemented? Multi-touch scrolling on a Mac trackpad. 2008, I don't know. That is correct. Then I do know. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> apparently so. So, if, if the ability to scroll with the two fingers, which is the topic of debate, had only existed for four years when they made the change and it has now stuck around for 10 years the balance of evidence would not in fact support your claim that it was you know original and that they got it right and then changed it and gave in after years and years what it would suggest is they tried something at first and then we're like mm, that doesn't really make sense with this more logical and natural input method so they corrected it. What it is, in in actuality, is the um, the articles. What 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 are they called? Before the Constitution was written, they had the articles, articles of, of Confederacy. Is that what you're talking about? Or the articles I, of Oh, the articles of uh, I don't know. I know what you're talking about. I forget the name. What? Okay, wait. I gotta look it up. The, the Bill of Rights, something like that. Oh, this is really embarrassing. Okay, hang on. Give me four seconds. Yeah, Articles of Confederation. See, I, that I was close. that's what I thought about, but then I didn't know if that was like the what the Confederates did, and I didn't want to accidentally, you know, yeah. do any of that. Anyway, what you are referring to, Noah, you you are talking about the Articles of Confederation. I support the Constitution. Okay, they they tried out your way. They said, mm, not quite. They fixed it. They incorporated it into the Constitution, which is natural scrolling. And that's what I prefer. So there you go. Okay, we need to move on. The last thing I will say is that Apple doesn't like to admit their mistakes and changing the natural scrolling was a mistake. And Apple will never admit that and they'll never change it back. And that's why. And now we need to move on. Oh, wow. You're really going to just just shut me out like that and not give me a chance to respond. Well, you know what? I'll let my uh, I'll let my argument speak for itself Good. and I won't even be petty and, and come back and point out that you're a stupid, stinky poo poo head. I won't that's, even do that. That's a great argument. Yeah. So I think we wanted to talk about AirPods Pro 2 because 
You got them. I actually have not, so I have no idea what they're like. Yes, I have them right here. You can wow. tell because of the lanyard hook and the dots on the bottom. Revolutionary. I know. And also, I don't want them to connect or anything, but they do look slightly different. Do they? I don't know if you can tell. Like, these black, like, sensor things are in slightly mm. different places. Whoa. Pretty crazy. That but, is stunning. That's, you yes. know, that's courage. This is this is the kind of techno technological advancement that only Apple could make, truly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one else ever thought of a lanyard hook on portable products. I know. So I wanted to just talk briefly about them because I've been using them since a couple days after they came out, I guess. And okay. I would say, I think, and I know that you don't use your AirPods Pro all that much. And I use mine every single day. They're my go-to uh, music listening device, and I'd say these Bose headphones are, are my second. But I think that the AirPods mm. Pro 2, first of all, the original AirPods Pro are fantastic. They Apple did a great job out of the gate with them. Same with the original they AirPods. Because I had the original AirPods, not when they first came out, but before they got super mainstream. I think Apple nailed it with the first AirPods, and I think they nailed it with the AirPods Pro as well. And so the AirPods Pro 2 are just a lot of small improvements and they all add up to just make an overall nicer product but there's nothing here that's like super big or game changing or anything like that interesting so i have heard i've heard a lot of those things they say that it's it's an incremental but universal improvement that's basically what i've heard would you say that's about right yeah i mean i think they they changed they tweaked pretty much everything they made they made improvements across the board the case got a lot of improvements Maybe even more than the AirPods themselves, I would say. The case got a lot of improvements, but there's a lot mm. of a lot of nice uh, things. And so maybe maybe I'll just walk through them briefly. And I'm curious because you didn't get the the AirPods Pro, but I would wonder if any of these features would matter to you, or if you'd like be looking forward to getting these features eventually, or anything like that. Um, like to be honest, as a pretty infrequent AirPods user. I, okay, my big issue with the AirPods Pro is nothing with the ergonomics or the features or their utility. I think they're great. The original ones I've been very happy with until I lost the case. Um, also, I may or may not have lost the case again. I have another oh, no. case. I got another case and I think I lost it too. Uh oh, no. I know it's so bad. I went for like two and a half years without losing anything, and then now I've, I've done it again. Um, but apart from that, so th the the thing that prevents me from liking the AirPods Pro is that I just they just don't stay in my darn ears. I've tried all the different size tips, and like I don't know, man. I I like them. They sound really good. The noise canceling is superb for things that small, but I always, and it's specifically my left ear, it always falls out in like a matter of seconds, especially if I'm walking and it breaks the seal and it lets the noise in and I'm always like jamming them back in there and then they hurt my ears because I keep having to adjust them. Honestly, I have found AirPods 
third generation to be the most comfortable. Really? Yes. I guess, I mean, I guess that makes sense because some people do have issues with like the silicon tips uh, Mm -hmm. that just maybe their ear geometry doesn't work well or or something like that. Um, So I guess it's not super surprising, but I do wonder, have you, so obviously you haven't, but the AirPods Pro 2 also have the extra small ear tips. And I wonder if those would help or if your ear is too big or it's just the shape. So the the medium ear tips are too big. The smalls are too small. My ear my my ears are medium small. Oh, I see. Yeah, um, like the small ones fall out. The big ones fall out because they don't go in all the way. Uh, it's, Got you. It's not ideal. And to be honest, I am an over ear headphone. I prefer them. They sound better. They have objectively better noise cancellation right now i don't have the airpods max because i forgot to charge them and they died these are just some like wired ones but at the end of the day all headphones whether they're in ear on ear over ear whatever they bother me and that's the final wall panel ladies and gentlemen 22 minutes in or i guess 32 if you count the pre-show so good work Thank you. But I just don't like to wear audio apparati on my head for long periods of time. They don't like headphones hurt my ears. They squish my ears and then they hurt the top of your head. So you got to readjust them. Earbuds are always falling out or being irritating. I always, always, always pick out loud from desktop speakers if the option is there. If I'm at home, like even when I video edit, I edit on out loud studio speakers. Uh, Car, obviously, out loud. Like it just is so better. that It sounds better. It fills the room. There's nothing on your head. It's the best. That is really interesting because I'm definitely, I guess, the opposite because I never, like, when I'm at work, obviously, I'm not going to be playing music out loud. When I'm at home, I have, like, a desk in my room, but I basically never sit at that desk. Like, usually, if I'm doing something, like, if I'm, like, coding or whatever where I would be listening to music, Mm. I oftentimes sit on the sofa. And I guess, you know, I could use the sound bar that's in there, but I always just use you know, headphones or, or, or something. Cause I guess I have roommates and, you know, not that they would mind, but I don't know. I never, I almost never do out loud. If you count the car, obviously the car counts. Uh, but mm-hmm. like otherwise I am always just using, uh, you know, either headphones or, or my AirPods. So it's just different. Yeah. That is interesting. Once again, we differ in many ways. Uh, I do have a, a comment here from Twitch chat that I think is quite valid here. They would 100% pay $1,000 if Apple made the next AirPods Max with titanium, like the Apple Watch Ultra, because they're so heavy. And I agree. I think the Apple Watch Ultra is way lighter than I thought it was going to be, because titanium is a superbly strong and light material. And I, I, 
I agree. I would pay more for AirPods that were titanium. I would also pay less for AirPods that Max that were plastic that accomplished a similar thing. Do you agree? Yeah, I think that's really interesting because I have been waiting because I got the AirPods Max when they came out and then I returned them mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. But one of them was definitely that they were too heavy and, and the, the clamping force, I think, was a bit much. And there were some other Absolutely. things like the, the seal wasn't really uh, working for me and, and whatever. Oh, else. it's glasses, but, right? Yeah, I think the glasses and like combination of like the glasses and then like maybe mouth movements like if i were talking or or like singing along to music or whatever like all of that and i think it was the glasses were the main thing and that would break the seal so there were some issues that i had with them but the the weight was definitely one and i was waiting for a long time uh to see if apple would do some like high quality plastic uh airpods max because there's nothing wrong with you know making them out of plastic as long as they do them do them nicely high quality plastic which apple would do but the titanium idea is also really interesting i didn't even think about that but that might almost be more like the direction apple would go in because if they're you know positioning airpods max as these you know fancy expensive headphones i could almost see them going for titanium before they would go for plastic so i didn't even consider that but that mm. would be really interesting, and you know maybe it would also help with the weight issue as well. Yeah, I do. I do agree. The weight is the biggest thing for me, um, and the price. The price is silly. I, it just like you don't need to spend five hundred and fifty dollars. They they also really bother me. I mean, we've talked about this before. The Apple trying to know what you want to do, but they always get it wrong, and you wish that you just had a button to say, like, pause. That's all I want. That's fine. Well, I guess you do have that, but I, I just... Like, all of the special AirPods features, I've ended up disabling because they annoyed me, so at this point, I might as well just have a normal pair of headphones. Or, honestly, Beats, because Beats have, like, the AirPods pairing method, and, like, that stuff but they don't have the other like irritation stuff so yeah oh well either way we don't need to rehash the whole airpods max debate i did want to address because some people were talking about did they announce did did something come out today or is this a discussion well um we got to talk about the title of this video october surprise And that is because we are in a somewhat unusual spot here. There have only been three Apple events this year, which is, I think, pretty light, typically. I mean, if you look at last year, right, we had April, WWDC, and then we had September, October, that's four. 2020, we had... Did they have, I don't think there was an early one, but there was WWDC, and then there was September, October, November, four. We're one Apple event short here, folks. And yet, the balance of current information suggests that there, in fact, will not be an October event, leaving any potential new products down to press releases. And I have to say... I think that's a little a little odd because we we are theoretically at the very beginning of this 
beginning of the M2 generation. But all of the rumors right now are talking about M3. What? I mean, I guess M2... First of all, M2 is a pretty uh, incremental improvement. Would you agree with that? Yeah. They basically just refined the core a little bit and put a little bit extra power through the core. They kind of just turbocharged it up a little bit and gave you some more GPU cores. That's about all they did. Yeah. So I'd imagine, you know, hopefully M3 will be more interesting it could end up being i I don't know i'm sure you know more about the rumors if it's going to be another spec bump or if it'll be i don't know if they're moving to a new process or not and you can talk about that um but i guess you know if we're at this point first of all you know everything except for the mac pro has transitioned over to apple silicon already right Mm -hmm. so there's no uh those were all major changes when those transitions happened and the transitions have happened and now yeah you know we're at the point where m2 is coming to these devices and it still has to come to uh the iMac and i guess the macbook pro and uh and uh the mac mini and the mac studio Mm -hmm. maybe i don't know uh so but but those would be more incremental improvements so maybe we're just in this like slump or this like slow period where we just had a lot of excitement with apple silicon and there's going to be more excitement with a with a bigger chip improvement, but we're kind of in the middle with this incremental chip improvement, and 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 you know we've gotten new generations of all these products already, so maybe we're just kind of a slow point right now. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that's true. Um, I I I'm honestly quite. I would be very surprised if we don't get spec bumped, uh, Mac Mini, iMac macbook pros this year i think that if the m2 is in fact this sort of mid-range little bump which is what we are hearing then they really should get those out of the way now so that the m3 doesn't get so pushed back that it becomes silly um my concern is that uh, so so the the rumor is M3 is on TSMC's three nanometer node. We've been hearing about that for a year or two at this point, and apparently by early 2023, things are going to start going into production with that process. So my assumption would be the the A17 chip and the M3 chips are going to be coming out with that process. And that should be a, a decent-sized spec bump. It, it really needs to be because um, we, I, I've talked about this before. I did a video. I talked about it on Twitter. And some people disagree, some people agree, but basically the, the, the issue that Apple is going to run into with Apple Silicon is their generations are just longer and their product categories are smaller than what Intel and AMD offer. You know, every single year, Intel and AMD launch like 40 CPUs. It took Apple a year and a half to launch four granted you could technically call them apus because they're entire socs but the 
when when Apple Silicon came out when with the original M1 chip, Intel was on the 11th generation, and it absolutely smoked them. Like Apple Silicon was was competing with their high-end laptop chips. But when you look at it now, and you look at the $1,000 laptops that compete with the M1 products, it's not quite as much of a blowout for Apple Silicon in terms of performance and capabilities. Now, that's not to say that Apple Silicon is now the bad deal, obviously, because basically you now are picking from two extremely powerful chips. So it's not a bad thing. And I would even say that Apple Silicon would still be my choice because I would rather have the power efficient chip, even if it's 5% less powerful, right? Obviously, I'm going to take that deal every day of the week. But if Apple continues being on these two or three year upgrade cycles, right? With M- M2, they didn't catch up to Alder Lake or AMD's new, I think they're, they just did the 7000 series now. So Apple is not caught up with that in terms of performance and they're not even done rolling out the M2. So they're now gonna appear performance wise a generation behind and it, it's it's the type of thing that's not concerning now, right? It's not a big difference and they're so efficient that it's not a big deal. But if you compound that, you know, for every year of Intel development or AMD development, you need two years for Apple, that's gonna stack up and up and up and they have to get their pace up in order to actually be as amazing as they claim that they are. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. And I think, you know, hopefully the M3 on this new uh, process, three nanometer process, that will make a difference in terms of performance. And, you know, Apple can keep the energy efficiency that they're so good with. I do think, you know, if we're on the topic of an October event, or I guess like what's going to happen for the rest of the year, I could mm-hmm. totally see these other Macs. First of all, I definitely agree with you that they should get m2 this year right hopefully m2 pro and and max and ultra uh, or what is it? i would Extreme? even ultra i think ultra. they might i i think they might so like there there was a rumor someone pointed it out here in the chat here uh there was a rumor that no new imac would come out before m3 so it it seems like this might really genuinely be a very small stopgap generation that doesn't actually go all the way up to the Ultra. And I could see that, right? The the M1 Ultra is not really a device that needs to get replaced every year. Nobody's going to be buying it every single year. So I could definitely see them, you know, do an M2 Pro and Max, but stop there. That would make sense to me. And then the M3 rolls out more. Uh, it, it, it's very, we're in a weird spot because you mentioned the subject of the transition, right? Uh, there's still, we're still waiting on a Mac Pro. Where's the Mac Pro? Yeah, and I know that uh, earlier in the year we were hoping, I think maybe we were even hoping to get a teaser at WWDC, which didn't happen. We were hoping yep. to get something by the end of the year, even if it's just a teaser. And I guess we haven't gotten anything yet. That doesn't preclude anything from happening, but I don't know yeah. if there's been too many rumors uh, about it. 
Oh, I think that our chances for a Mac Pro this year are at zero. Even a teaser, though. What about what about like a anything? I think tease at. I think it's gonna. I think it's WWDC twenty twenty three. Okay. Because if you're talking about the M two being a stopgap, right? Why they're not gonna announce a Mac Pro on M two? That's just not gonna happen, right? It's it's too small of an upgrade to start your big like twenty thirty forty thousand dollar flagship. So that means that it's almost certainly an M three thing on the new process. If that process isn't even possible until Q1 2023, I I see that being like, okay, they start manufacturing in Q1. By WWDC, we're working on the M3 chip. Maybe WWDC, we get the M3 MacBooks. That would be a full year after M2, so that I think is a valid time frame. So we get the M3, but in the background, now you're you're getting to a point where you can start on the big higher end stuff. So I would even wonder if WWDC 2023 is, here's the new M3 chip, and here's a sneak peek at what this amazing new architecture can do for us, the Mac Pro. And then it comes out later once that you know production cycle is going in December. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, and that's kind of what we were hoping for, or I don't want to say expecting, but hoping for earlier this year, which didn't happen. And it makes a lot of sense now that we see M2 being an incremental upgrade. But I definitely agree that if M3 is a bigger upgrade, and hopefully the new process will help it to be a bigger upgrade, uh, then maybe next WWDC is when they would tease it. So that makes a lot of sense, and the idea of you know maybe no M2 Ultra... Uh, that also makes sense to me, given given your logic. And I think, you know, there are some devices that are waiting. I think it it seems to me like a little bit strange that Apple would skip a generation. Like, go, like say the iMac would go from an M1 to an M3. It's not crazy mm. or anything. It just seems like, you know, oh, if Apple's, you know, going through the trouble of making this M2 chip... They might as well just stick it in, you know, the new iMac and be like, oh, here's a new iMac. But, you know, this is different times. Apple Silicon is still pretty new. So maybe this will end up being the norm. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm inclined to agree with you. I think it is odd given that, like, you look at the M2 MacBook Pro, right? That's just, you know, they just hot swapped that. Mm -hmm. That's, it's the same. The board looks identical. It's just a different SoC. I, I don't know why they didn't do the iMac at WWDC, frankly, because the iMac is, you know, the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro were the oldest devices along with the Mac Mini. And then the iMac M1 was like that. So it's the only thing I can think of as to why the Mac Mini and iMac didn't get the M2 chip is because they're not making enough of these M2 chips to launch four products. That that would be my only guess. But by now, I mean, maybe maybe that's going to happen on Tuesday. I think it's quite possible that we're going to get uh, a press release of some sort on Tuesday. I mean, the Mac Mini is two years old with the M1 chip. The iMac is a year and a half. You can now easily get the new MacBook Air. You know, initially they did have some supply chain difficulties, but right now they you can order right now and it'll get get here on Tuesday. 
and you can pick up tomorrow. Although actually, now that I mention it, the the higher tier configuration with the half terabyte of storage, you you can't pick that up until Wednesday. Ooh. So, hmm. yeah, yeah. As for the MacBook Pro, let's find out. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that there is absolutely zero supply constraint on that hunk of junk. Oh yeah, every single thing. You can get them delivered Tuesday for free. Pick it up tomorrow. Nice. You can even get custom configurations in a week and a half. With like tw- you can get you can get 24 gigabytes of RAM and 256 gigabytes of storage, any storage tier or RAM combination, no matter how weird and wacky. You can get on October 24th. So, maybe now is the time. You know, over the summer, these things were in short supply, but now the demand is settled. Now would be a good time, please, to, to update the Mac Mini and the iMac. Tide people over. Uh, although, I would probably advise against buying them. So, it's really more of like an excitement thing than an actually like go out and buy them thing, but whatever. M3 is definitely where it's at. And, oh, you know what? I just realized something else, Noah. What's that? Where is our 27-inch Apple Silicon iMac? That is true. I don't think anyone here for a second believes that Apple is going to completely abandon the 27-inch iMac. Because you and I both know, Noah, that anyone who is anyone in graphic design, video editing, content creation, social media, uh, did I already say graphic design, probably even coding, people, they love the 27-inch iMac because it is so simple and easy. It's just a thing that goes on your desk and it comes with everything you need. And it's got good speakers. It's got a good microphone, webcam, a big 5K, high-resolution, color-accurate display. And it had... A really solid and attractive price point. It was a great idea. So, where where is it? I want I want one. I'm assuming we're gonna have to wait until an M3 for like a new design that looks kind of like a hybrid between a studio display and an M1 iMac. But TikTok here, I I will buy that. I just want it to exist. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that because there were rumors even about like an iMac Pro, there were rumors, maybe it was yeah. going to be 27 inch, maybe there was going to be a 32 inch variant mm-hmm. or whatever. With there mini LED. Yeah, and that was a while ago. That was like, that was a while ago those rumors were going and I completely forgot about them. That was like February before people thought that that was going to come at the March event before we knew about the Mac Studio, before I leaked it today, mm. before the event. Sorry about that, Tim. Like, we we have been fully expecting this. And then Apple discontinued the iMac with no replacement. That was very strange. Now, I do have a conspiracy theory on that, uh, on that? why Apple did that, right? I don't think it's a coincidence that Apple discontinued the 27-inch iMac right as they announced the studio display with the same panel in it. Yeah. Right, so this is my two-pronged conspiracy theory, Noah. And chat, you are welcome to give feedback on whether you think this is correct. But here's how I make sense of 
a couple of strange behaviors from Apple. Strange behavior number one is no Apple Silicon iMac yet. Strange behavior number two is discontinuing the Intel iMac with no replacement. Strange behavior number three is the studio display being very expensive and extremely thoroughly engineered for effectively the same panel as before. And when you when you mix this with the rumors of this mini LED iMac Pro, blah, 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 here's what I think happened. <clears throat> Apple has been working on a 27-inch Apple Silicon iMac to replace the Intel one. And the kicker is they're using a mini LED ProMotion display. But here's the rub. Right now, there is no interface that can display 5K at 120 hertz. The highest you can do a high refresh rate at is 4K. So clearly some engineering is going on there. It's also a mini LED panel. And as we know, Apple is developing this standalone monitor to use said panel. Now, in order to create these this pair of products, the iMac 27, the Studio Display 27, which would be sold as a pair, like, you know, for dual monitors, you can have that. It works with the Mac Studio. It makes a lot of sense. You target a price point of $19.99, and in order, to, in order to make a monitor like that, you're going to need a very robust stand, enclosure, fans for a little bit of cooling on the inside, that extremely complex and intricate power supply, which actually has cutouts in the PCB to allow them to put capacitors and resistors embedded in the board. An entire A13 Bionic with 64 gigabytes, it's an entire iPhone 11 inside this display. All of this is necessary when you're talking about doing the impossible, driving a 5K mini LED display at 120 hertz. That A13 chip is there to control that extra frame rate and, and provide that extra uh, signal strength. I guess I would call it. But then a problem happens. March is coming up. The M2 chip is coming up. And this iMac, which has been developed most likely for M1 Max and M1 Ultra, well, that display panel's not ready, which means the iMac can't launch, which means the studio display with Mini LED wouldn't launch in time for the Mac Studio. But the Mac Studio has to launch in March because... In, in June, you're moving on to the next generation. So you can't be announcing the M2 chip and then going back and finishing off M1 Ultra. The timing just doesn't make sense. So what do you do? Well, you're going to kill off the 27-inch Intel iMac anyway. Why not take its panel and put it in your studio display? It'll do. Knock the price down a little bit, but you still got to cover the extremely expensive internals that power this. So it's a little bit of a weird product, but at least... You have something to sell alongside that Mac Studio, and you can put the, the, the iMac Pro on the back burner, giving you time to integrate it with the 3 nanometer process, as well as get that mini LED 5K 120 hertz display working. Boom. What do you guys think? I think that's very interesting. I think... 
it makes sense, right? Like if Apple, Apple's always working on, like Apple has products for at least a couple of years down the road, right? They're always working on all these products. And there's a question of whether they're ready to launch them at a given time. You know, if everything's been figured out, but they're always working. So uh, there's plans at Apple for a 27 inch or a 32 inch or whatever iMac. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, maybe it is kind of like what you said that they had the plans. And I agree, like the studio display is very much, uh, it's a lot of like engineering that went into it for it to just be a display, right? You, you could call it over-engineered or whatever you want to say, but, but there's a lot of engineering that went into it for it to just be a display. And it seems like it would make mm. a lot of sense that if they put all the work into the studio display that you could reuse it or maybe it's not even in their minds reusing because, you know, like you said, they were going to put an iMac in there or put it in something that looked like that. So I think exactly. that could make a lot of sense that maybe Apple wasn't ready, you know, earlier this year, but maybe next year they'll be ready and then we'll get a larger iMac and people will love that. I think what you're going to get is a 27-inch iMac Pro with Mini-LED and ProMotion, as well as a higher tier of studio display at $19.99 with that Mini-LED panel. Because, there, to, my, to my mind, there is no reason to design the studio display the way that they did for this panel. I have a $200, you know handmade custom PCB HDMI converter in, in the same 5K panel right next to me. If, if you can do it with a regular old 12 volt power supply and some very basic PCB that you can get on eBay, there is no way that Apple needed to make a $1,600 display with a power supply with a cutout PCB, an embedded capacitors, and an entire iPhone in it to make that possible. There is no way that they needed to do that. Yeah, I think we could definitely see what you're talking about, and we could get a 27-inch. Do you think that the 27-inch iMac will look exactly like a studio display, or do you think it'll look a little bit different? I would imagine it's... It, I think they, they were probably going for a similar thing to uh, the old Thunderbolt display. Do you remember how that was like the same basic architecture as the 27-inch iMac, mm -hmm. but without the chin? So I would imagine, you know, look at this iMac, probably make it a little thicker, add a chin on the bottom and there's your iMac pro. So you think it would look, it would look kind of like the studio display, but with a chin. That's what you think. Exactly. So imagine a, a black and silver hybrid between a studio display and the M one iMac. It would have that chin. Probably. I almost wonder if they would do a solid chin or maybe just like a, a lighter color. I don't know. That's one of those things that they've probably been A-B testing for a year or so. But, like, we know that that 5K panel exists because Ross Young, who is literally never wrong, I don't think he's ever been wrong about a display panel. He, has, he was saying all the way back in January 
that Apple has a 5K 120Hz ProMotion mini LED panel. And I just think it's not, it, it just was not ready yet in March. But they knew, like, you know, you can't, the M1 Ultra could not have come out at WWDC. That does not make any sense. Because if they had, like, imagine it this way, right? You're talking about your your Apple Silicon team working on their chips. That is a separate group of people than the people who are going to be doing displays. Those are not, they're not talking to each other. They don't know what the other one's working on. So your team doing the Mac Studio is not aware of the display that's going to be sold with it. They don't know that. So if your display team isn't keeping up, uh, or I shouldn't say that as though they did anything wrong because I'm sure they've, you know, they're probably overworked and want to have a nap. But if your display technology isn't ready yet, you're not going to delay your entire Apple Silicon roadmap. You're not going to say, okay, we're pushing the Mac Studio to dub dub. We're, we're bumping M2 completely out and we're going to do a whole other event for that later. Months, months later. And we're going to sit on all this inventory and we're going to sit and wait here for these displays. You're not going to do that. You're going to say, okay, no iMac Pro. We're going to repurpose this panel from the 5K iMac, which we're going to kill anyway. So we kill that. Keep the, the order, all the same orders for those panels, which have probably been placed years in advance. Just keep using those panels. Stick it in this new enclosure. Bob's your uncle. You've solved your problem temporarily. Yeah. I think I think that makes a lot of sense. I think we will see. Uh, I'm hoping that we'll see a 27 inch or 32 inch iMac because that would be nice to have back. Not that I'm one like I'm not. I've never been in the market for an iMac, but if I were, I would definitely want. Like I'm sitting in front of a, a 27 inch screen right now, and at my office I have a 32 inch display. 32 is kind of big for some people it's a good size definitely but i wouldn't i, I wouldn't like want it. i know you like it but i wouldn't want like a 24 inch display i feel like that might just that would just be a bit too small for for me i agree that is definitely like i and you know to be fair i do use the the i have my m1 imac the base model from back in april 2021 and i use it fairly regularly I've been learning 3D printing, and I that's where I do all of my workflow for that. So it's useful. I think the 24-inch screen is fine for most people, but if I were, you know, I, I wouldn't be doing my video editing on that. I want as much screen real estate as possible for that. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely fair. And I definitely think, you know, you, you could also look like, I guess the iMac is gonna always run like the iMac the 24 inch the one that's out right now is gonna run on those basic uh entry level chips like the m1 maybe it'll get the m2 yeah. whatever and then if you want to step up from there right now you have to get a computer uh that has i guess like a mac studio right you have to get something that's that's not an all-in-one there's no all-in-one if you need more power you know screen size is one thing and power is another thing and if you need more of either one of those, then there's not an iMac for you at the moment. But this, you know, pro model or bigger model or whatever, you'd expect that the bigger screen size would probably come with the better chips, maybe pro and max chips. I don't know about ultra, mm -hmm. um, but 
I think it would make a lot of sense. It's the same. It's it's just like what Apple does a lot. Like you know that like there's the standard MacBooks and then the the Pro MacBooks. There's even like the Mac Mini and the Mac Studio. And then if you have a 24 inch and exactly. a 27 or 32 inch, it's the same. The same you know two configurations for two. Uh, or two levels, I guess, for, for, for different kinds of people. Same idea. They even sometimes arguably have three levels. Because if you remember back, if you go back to the Intel days, you had... Um, in the Intel days, their desktops were bad because they had the Mac Mini that was too low-end and the Mac Pro that was too high-end and nothing in between. But the iMac, you had 21, 27, and Pro... Mm-hmm. So you could scale from like, just want something to use in my kitchen to do bills on to like content creation all the way to workstation. Uh, for the MacBook Pro, you had Air Pro 13 with quad core and then Pro 15, 16 that had more cores and dedicated graphics. So that was three tiers. You could even claim that now with the... Um, the the MacBook Air M2 and then the 1416. I could almost see Apple doing a um, a 27 inch iMac that it doesn't really add that much more. It's just literally a bigger size. They've been doing that a lot lately, where they sell the same product in two different sizes. 14 Pro and Pro Max have no differences. They're just screen size. 14 inch and 16 inch. Same specs, same configurations, just a little bigger. I could see them doing that with the iMac. I could see them having a 27-inch iMac that has a little bit of range. So maybe it starts with an M2 Pro at a reasonable price, and then it scales up all the way to an M1 Ultra, could be. But I just want it to exist. Like, I'm going to keep the studio display. That'll be my second monitor. I'm a two-monitor guy now. But I just want to have, although I, I do have the Mac Studio, though. I don't really need an iMac. I don't know. Either way, even if I don't need it, I think it's something that a lot of people would prefer. Yeah, it's definitely the all-in-one kind of thing is really nice. And I know that a lot of people like it. And I know that you're in the minority of having a ton of Apple products and not necessarily yeah. needing another one. But I could definitely see someone who... You know, the the Mac Studio, if you went the Apple suggested route and got a Mac, a Mac Studio and the Studio Display, like, that's a lot of money, right? And then you have... Yeah, the yeah. the least expensive combo that you could do is, I think it's $3,600 pre-tax. That's... If you want the, the $1,999 Mac Studio and the $1,599 Display. Yeah. Yeah, so that's very expensive, even if you went... I don't know if even if you got a Mac Mini and a third-party display, which some people would be fine with, but some people are like, you know, I want to go to Apple, I want to get a, a thing from Apple, and I want it to work, and and that's what the iMac yeah. does for desktops. And I, I agree with you that there could be, I, I feel like there should be a pro-level iMac, and maybe we'll have to see, you know, what the what the new Mac Pro looks like because I'm really curious how that's going to compare to the Mac Studio, like what they're going to do to get the Mac Pro to be, you know, well above the Mac Studio. I'm very curious about that. But I could definitely mm-hmm. see, you know, like what you said, uh, just have a 27-inch that's very similar to 
the 24 inch. I could see them doing maybe the 24 and 27 are the same. And then there's a 32 that's a pro model. We'll see about a pro model. I want to see what the Mac Pro looks like and see what other changes they do. But I could see them doing it. I could see them not doing it. But definitely a 27 inch, even if it's just a size increase, I could, I definitely hope that they do that. I, I agree. I, I, we'll we'll save the Mac Pro for another day because we're running out of time here. But you mentioned, I think quite interestingly, like how do you do better than the Mac Studio? I think there's two things you need. Three. Number one, modularity. Mac Studio, you may remember, I caused quite a stir by discovering that it was not upgradable in any sort, even though it probably should have been. Number two, you need more than just cores. Mm-hmm. The Mac Studio, especially the 64-core M1 Ultra, really proves that like you're getting some diminishing returns. Most applications aren't really using all of those cores, so you need more than just like throwing lots of cores at the problem. And number three, I think realistically, you need dedicated components. I think the thing that sets the Mac Pro apart is being on that new three nanometer process and having more powerful single cores, not just multi-core, is having upgradable components and having a, a a modular system with graphics cards instead of an SOC. Yeah, I think, and a lot of those things would be like different, like new things for Apple Silicon, especially, you know, different chips yeah. and it not being just an SOC. But I'm very curious to see what Apple does because they've already, I don't know if they've hit the upper limit, but they've really gone. I mean, they went all the way up to the M1 Max and then they're like, okay, let's put two of them. I don't think they can just put four yeah. of them and be like, oh, this is so much better. Like maybe it is on paper, but yeah. I think, you know, like you said, diminishing returns. I agree. I think that there are separate, there could be separate things like graphics cards. You know, things like that afterburner card in the old or, I guess, current Mac Pro. Uh, you know, other dedicated things. In the, and that goes along with modularity, like you said. Those are definitely things. I think those are the two big things is power and modularity that are going to set it apart. And the modularity is going to be an interesting challenge because Apple Silicon hasn't mm-hmm. seen that yet. But it's definitely something that Apple can figure out and do. But the power is the thing that I'm very curious about. Like, how is Apple going to solve that problem of creating this product that's so much more like it has to be noticeably more powerful than the mac studio already is but at the same time they're going to update the mac studio and give it whatever incremental upgrade they get with i guess m3 so they have to you know they're keeping pace and they're going above it so that's what i'm very curious about they're gonna have to you know what i'm curious about what are you curious about i'm curious about ending this podcast episode i think should we try it i think i think we should okay um let me just try try this see if this works uh i've been your host luke miani and i've been your host noah rubin uh have a great night huh did that work did it did it are we live still you know i don't think we are